Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, Salut, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Well, hello and welcome back to uh, the Hillsong Creative Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us. It's Rich Langton here, your host, and I'm here with Cass Langton. Hi, good afternoon, <laughs> good morning, or whenever you're listening to this, it's nice to see you or... <laughs> Be heard? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. Hey, um, so if you're new here, we just wanted to let you know and really invite you to subscribe to the podcast because uh, every Monday we post a new episode and we'd love it if you would do that because it will mean that you get notified whenever we put a new episode out. I love that. And you can also catch up on episodes that have aired before. There is some great content on the podcast and I am a super fan. Yeah. Hey, real quick, special thanks to anybody who has shared the podcast on social media. Uh, it's so encouraging to us and to our team and it helps to grow our little creative community here. So thank you for that. I really love this week. We got a letter from a girl who lives in America about Team Nut On Demand last week, Rich, and your message on Thirsty. And she's a creative pastor in a church and she was just writing to say how meaningful it had been at this time. So yeah. thanks for sharing your stories and for talking back to us. Yeah. Hey, on today's episode, Cass, we've got a pretty special one, right? Yeah, I'm so excited because it is Officially October, and October for our creative team means the lead up to our worship and creative conference. Mm. We have run it for the last three years, and it is super special. Yeah. Um, it is probably the podcast on steroids, so it really <laughs> is like where the intersection of faith and creativity merge in our church and in our world. And over the last couple of years, we've had all sorts of inspiring people come and share mm. and like 150 uh, masterclasses and all sorts of things for upskilling, creative presentations. And it is quite fun. In fact, a friend of mine, um, Tyler Reagan, who runs um, a whole range of podcasts and creative endeavours, was doing a course with his university students and they picked two episodes of um, – Worship and Creative Conference and dissected it and pulled it apart. And he sent me their notes this week, which was quite fun. But today um, we have something special because we have Justine and Daniel Flynn mm. and they run a really cool creative organisation called Thank You, which is an Australian social enterprise. Um, they make a whole lot of things like hand washers and thank you water do, and yeah. sanitizers, mm. like all sorts of things that have played right into the heart of this season. Yeah, if you're an Australian, if you're part of our team, you would know them because you go into Woolworths or Coles, the supermarket, <laughs> yeah, right. and you'd see their products everywhere. Right. And last year at Worship Conference, they shared in a session that Gabe Kelly ran about um, creativity for change. Mm. And they talked about their own journey with their business and, and how it it has impacted them and it's impacted the people around them. And I am looking forward to sharing this interview with you today, yeah. as I know you are. Yeah, we recorded it at Worship and Creative Conference. Right. And because of COVID and everything that's happened this year, we haven't yet had a, a chance to share it with you. Uh, so we're pretty glad that we've got this opportunity now. And particularly because they're doing some really great things, even right now with their business and, and out on social media. You've probably seen some of what's going on if you've been online lately. Right. Um, and I think that they have really seen this season as an opportunity to do something for people outside of themselves. Mm. I know that COVID has meant that a whole lot of businesses in our creative realm have shut down and it's been difficult for many people. But for them, they've actually seen um, expansion and they are using that for good. So why yeah. don't you um, 
Have a listen to this interview, hear the heart behind it and check out the show notes for more details of what they're currently doing because I think it will inspire you. Yeah, we'll jump into it now and talk to you soon. Well, welcome back to this episode of the Hillsong Creative Podcast. It is fantastic because today we have Daniel and Justine Flynn joining us here from Thank You Group, which is a real treat. They are close friends of mine for the last 12 to 13 minutes and I'm sure you will feel the same way over the next bit of time we spend together. Dan, Justine, thank you so much for coming in. It's really an honour to be here. Um, Daniel, Dan... Danielle? Well, my dad's. Danielle. Well, you go with it. My dad's got the same name. So he usually goes Dan, I go Daniel, but Danielle, what? <laughs> Look, if we're French, yeah. we can do that. We could be French. Justine is just Justine. Yeah, and it's kind of French too, Justine. Yeah, what do your I friends call you? Terrible. Just. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't think we're there yet, though. Yeah. I'll, st- I'll steer clear of Stick that. Stick with for Justine now. for now, Jay. You know? We can do that, yeah. except my You've first and leading question is that you have a son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His name is Jedediah. I like Jedediah a lot. You call him Jed. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. Um, Jed is four. He is a bundle of energy, a um, trailblazer, um, loves people. We are in a lot of airports and he'll just go up to random strangers, uh, meet them. We can't teach him about stranger danger because he's like, no, I just told them my name. Now we're friends. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. Who does he get that from? Because you're looking at each other like, it, he, and you, you're he, pointing at each other like. I think we see person. a lot of like uh, both of us in him, and it's like, wow, this kid has got, he's gonna, he's gonna have a lot. Um, I actually said to my mum, I'm like, mum, surely I was never this. I had I had this much energy. She's like, it was worse. And I was like, no way. Like, <laughs> you are now reaping what you sowed. Yeah. She said um, you'd wake up every morning and check all the locks were all the same. Yeah. Like, and so I'm like, check, check all the, the boundaries. Check all the boundaries and that they still existed. So that's my mum's <laughs> positive way. My mum was super positive of saying that I was a bit of a challenge. I like this. What we're essentially doing is foreshadowing the way that we're going to talk about the organisation. Yeah. So I feel like you have just set this up perfectly for me. So we're ready to hit a home run. Cool. Um, tell us a little bit about yourselves uh, before you were together your background justine you knew you've known dan for a long time but you Mm -hmm. came from uh different places different spaces tell a bit about your upbringing coming through sure i come from north queensland um grew up very close to the beach um warm tropical weather which was lovely and um yeah it was there i mean why i'm here doing what i'm doing today i um when i was as young as 14 Actually, 12, I was sitting on the floor looking up at Miss Morrison as she's sharing with me encounters that she had in developing countries. Uh And I just knew I needed to go and see this for myself. Um, As a 12-year-old. As a 12-year-old, yeah. It was a couple of years later um, that I said to my mum, can I go? And uh, mum and dad let me go on the 19th of September, um, just after the September 11 attack. 2001. Yeah. Yeah. And we should just go over my age. That's fine. And they said I could go as long as I fundraised every cent myself. So Wait, where are you going to? Indonesia. Yeah, Borneo. Wait, wait, wait. So let's decide if your parents are good parents or bad parents. <laughs> I know. They sent you to the most populous Islamic nation on earth like yes. a week after yeah. September 11th. Yeah, they got a lot of criticism, um, but I am so thankful they let me go. They know Without that the doubt. safest place to be is in the will of God and they could see that there was a fire in me and a passion in me. I had already raised every cent myself um, up to this point. Um, so I'd done car washes, sausage sizzles, um, 
clothes swapping parties, um, uh, made lemmingtons on the kitchen bench um, and, you know, did a lemmington drive. Oh, my gosh. With my mum's help, of course. As yeah, a of course, but she saw something um, in you that she was pushing forward. Yeah. So it was an amazing experience for me. Like, I'm so glad that they released me to go on that. You know, I, I actually came back on my own as well, just with a teddy bear. Um, but while I was over there, I got to see poverty for the first time, you know, and that was – it was really confronting, you know. I got to see, you know, the poorest, you know, environments and, you know, people sleeping on, you know, concrete floors right. and not having running water. But I also got to see the things that were important when you had absolutely nothing as well. And I remember when I came back as a 14-year-old, I was sitting on my bed looking at all the stuff I had and went, you know, do I, do I need all this stuff? You uh-huh. know, like is there something that I can do to make a difference in the world? And I remember making this vow to God when I grew up. I said, okay, God, whatever it is when I grow up, uh. um, I want to be able to make a difference in the world. And right. I then got into business studies at school just by fluke, just by chance. Right. Um, I didn't get the subject I wanted. I ended up being in business studies. I enjoyed it so much um, and realised that I had some school in that area maybe. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, it was something I was passionate about. And then moved to Melbourne after I finished school. And I ended up for just randomly being working at Just Jeans and not really doing the things that I'd hoped right. I'd do, right? Like I'm Just Jeans at Just Jeans. You oh, know? Yeah, that's perfect. 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 <laughs> they had no choice but to hire you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was really <laughs> embarrassing to answer the phone. But my teacher um, from when I was 12, she was like, you know, this, what it, what it, this isn't what you were, you know, you know, I thought you'd be doing with your life. Like, is this, you know, really what you should be doing? I'm like, I know, but it's just, I don't know why it hasn't opened up for me yet or right. I'm doing what's always been burning on my heart. And yeah. Then, and so you're sitting, you're in Melbourne now and yes. just kind of waiting for something to happen and out of the blue comes this knight in shining armour. Look, this 19-year-old boy who, who was actually younger than me at boy. the time. Yeah, as a boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was that was that was that was some intent. I felt that. <laughs> yeah, and he went through a similar journey. Well, kind of similar, except for the fact that I wasn't traveling to developing countries. Right. At fourteen. Right. Like I was. If you Not met many me of us are. No, I mean, if you met me at school. I was the kid running around selling everything, uh-huh. but not to raise money for anything. Just because, like, I wanted to be rich. I thought, like, right. I was like, I was selling Gobstoppers when they were on trend, or Yabbies, like pet Yabbies, which now, in reflection, I feel bad about from the whole yeah <laughs> cruelty perspective. But like, it was just. Um, but you didn't know you were. I didn't a kid, know. I was right. like, I'd read books, business books. You know, if, if you're not a millionaire by 21, you're a failure. Like, what, just so as like a young teenager, <laughs> you're already driven to build something and this this search for significance quite early on. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I want to share this bit, but like when I was in year two at school, I'm the kid walking around the schoolyard showing photos from like a magazine of the car and the house and the yacht. I, I actually coincidentally, coincidentally didn't have many friends in primary <laughs> school, but like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got to put your dreams on the wall because I, I heard it on a tape that I'd picked up and like, oh, I don't know, man, I was just, I was, I was in that headspace. Yeah. Where did that come from? Well... I mean, I grew up, my, my parents were part of a network marketing thing called Amway when we uh-huh. were younger. Yep. And so I, I grew up in that environment. They ended up leaving that. In fact, I remember when dad told me, he's like, we quit. I'm like, dad, I'm like 10, never, never, never quit. Like I'm bawling my <laughs> eyes out. I'm like, don't do that. But I had grown up in this environment of like dream big, kind of filtered through probably money more than yep. any other context. Yeah. But actually I reckon that affected me. And thank you is like a, a 180 flip on probably where I was at. But that thread of, 
yeah, selling stuff to yeah. make money was there. So already I find like the, not what you both bring to the table, but you already see that your journeys before you've even kind of set up a really on this collision course for each other that would kind of emerge into thank you. Justine, tell me about when you met Dan, what happened? I think I was friends with Daniel before. I was considering him as a potential, if that makes sense. No, you got I consider her as a potential from the moment I met her. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like I something was, you would do. I was, yeah. You were in. <laughs> I was in. Whereas I, I, I had it set that I was going to go for someone older. Um, right. So that was a mindset. How'd that work? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> he saw it as a challenge. But yeah, he, he shared with me this this idea. You know, he, he had had a moment himself where he was, um, which I'd you know, let him share for himself, but he, where he was shook to the core as well and saying we need to do something, you know, and I remember him sharing with me like, you know, may, maybe we can start a company where we, you know, sell products and the money from that, 100% of the money from that goes um, to help people in need. And something within me just rose up and I knew this is this is it, you know, this is actually what I've always been so passionate about and, right. and count me in, like I'm all in, yeah. right. And from that moment, he was out of the friend zone and into the potential zone? Well, or did that take a lot longer? It did take a bit longer, yes, that one. Didn't it, it did. But yeah. once Thank You officially started, I think yeah. we'd been dating officially for a month. That's right, yeah. Fourth of July, we started dating. And then in August, we were registered right. business. Thank you. Which is like crazy high risk. Like it's like... <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> were like, like starting like, dating we and in. a business at the yeah. same yeah. time. Like that is a strong commitment. Yeah. yeah. Um, Justine mentions uh, an experience for you that really kind of shook yeah. you and kind of woke you up to that. What was that? Can you tell so us a bit I, about it? Yeah, I was um, I was in front of my computer and doing some research for a university kind of assignment and I'm distracted by this statistic around the world water crisis. And uh -huh. I click into it. At the time, 900 million people didn't have access to clean water and I click in and I go on this journey. And now my context pre this is I have sponsored a child through World Vision uh -huh. and in my mind I've ticked a box that most 19-year-olds haven't ticked. That's You've a, done your bit. Yeah, I've done my bit. Right. But then as I watch stories of kids losing their brothers and sisters to waterborne disease and reading about the 4,500 children that die every day, I find myself having a moment where I'm crying and and this I put down to this is not a, a Daniel Flynn moment. Like right. this is this is bigger than me because I'm 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 moved, I'm crying, my heart's racing, I'm thinking, like, what if that story was me? Right. And if it was me, my sisters Jess and Mel, who are amazing, they're twins, I love them. The the thought of them dying because the water was dirty and it it killed them. It it hurt, like yeah. the weight. And then maybe because I'd grown up reading so much about business and money and I didn't know everything about it, but I knew there's a lot of it. And and this wrestle of the world water crisis and then extreme consumerism. Like yeah. it's, it's insane how much we yeah. spend on stuff. And so I have this moment that leads to an idea, which is just the collision of extreme poverty and extreme consumerism. Right. And imagine if we could just combine the two and end something that shouldn't exist. It feels like God really grabbed a hold of you in that moment and took everything from your background and kind of brought it into real clear focus what you were created to do. Did it feel like that for you? Did it feel like God just kind of dropped something with you or what was that? So it did, except I wrestled with it. Like it was really uncomfortable because uh -huh. I thought, no, you make money in business and one day you like then you give it like this idea of like this thing that I couldn't unsee I've kind of got one of those minds that if I see something I right. can't unsee it I yeah. can't 
like I'm, I'm on. And so yeah. this was, there's an opportunity here. Like yeah. as consumers, we all want to do something. We all feel helpless. Yeah. But if we could combine the little, the little power we had, this could change the whole world. And so I think it was a, a moment. There was another moment a few months later, actually once we would, we'd researched and saw how impossible this was. Like you need hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. That second moment for me was the like, okay, this isn't me. This is a God thing. I have to... I have to move forward. Right. And so, Justine, you said you felt called really early on and you felt like God was kind of stirring your heart for this stuff. Daniel has this moment not long after you guys decide to start thank you as you start dating, which is just perfect for me. I love that part of the story. (laughs) Do you guys from the outset kind of go like, this is us pursuing our calling as Christians and believers or do you go, let's just see what happens and if it works, it works? Like what's the thought at that time? I think, like Daniel said, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Yeah. And for us, we're, we're, we're both very similar in that mind. You know, like we, you know, didn't just see, you know, oh, let's provide a community with safe water. For us, the vision was hundreds of people to one day hundreds of thousands to hopefully one day millions of people, you know. And uh, I think for us, that vision really helped us get through the tough times as well. Um, we had a lot of tough times at the in the beginning days. The first three years, oh, we'll was talk about that. Don't worry about a that. A lot of slaps <laughs> in the face, um, you know. So I don't think, yeah, for us, it was like, yeah, we're stepping into a calling, but we were just doing it, you know, right. and doing something that we were passionate about, yeah, but that we really believed in, right? Yeah. I think the moment where I went this is a calling, not an idea. Because I've had heaps of ideas before. But it was sitting there, I was in the back of a small church service and I wasn't listening to the the person up the front. I was having like... (laughs) We'll edit that part out. Yeah, we'll edit edit that out. But I'm sitting at the back wrestling because I'm like, man, this water thing, I get it. It could change the world. I don't even know. We don't have the money. Is this a... Like I grew up in church hearing, uh, you know, for I I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So I'm like, cool. I know God has a plan. I don't know if it's this or if it's my uni or or what it is. And I had this moment where I said, God, if this is you, you have to like give me a sign because it Mm. feels impossible. I need a sign. I need like something. And, you know, my Bible was next to me. I picked it up. And I never forget this moment because I flip it open. And without flipping the page either way, I look down and read a verse uh, I hadn't read before in a book called Isaiah, Isaiah 41 verse 17. And it said, The poor and needy search for water, yet find none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but our Lord God have heard their cry. I'll turn the deserts into springs and the valleys into pools. And I'm sitting in the back of the room and I'm just like crying. I'm like, I'm crying now. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm so that, that moment for me was like, I can't walk away from that. Right. And I've shared that in many contexts, like in, yeah. in church, I've shared that in every like public forums and interviews. And, the, and I share it because it's like moments define us. Yeah. That was one for me. And like, I've quit. Thank you more times than I'll even admit. I've quit so many times, but I've I, actually drafted up my resignation. If you it's <laughs> just you sent, it, you yeah. sent it to me, you have sent it to yeah, me. Never press send. Always so, press send. So like we've, we've, we've quit many times, but we, we haven't because there's these moments probably when you're 14, when I'm there, you, you can't walk away from it. Uh-huh. And so you guys decide to start Thank You with a few others. You kind of get on board. Tell us about those first few months where you decide to just kind of step out and start. What's that like? I remember the first few months was exciting because it was like, wow, we, can we actually do this? Like, is it even possible to start? And we had started with a um, bottle of water um, back in the day. And it was 
pretty crazy to think that something that we saw in our head we could actually see come alive. And I actually remember we were just working out of Daniel's parents' house at the time. Right. And we got a, our first pallet delivered to the garage. And it was this moment of exciting, like, whoa, you know, like our, is, our really dreams becoming it. a reality. Yeah. This is so exciting. And I remember watching the, the other guys as they're pulling, um, you know, the, the water off the pallet. And it was so exciting. This is the first thing. But then I saw their faces just drop. And I'm like, what is going on? And as I moved a bit closer and discovered for myself, a third of each pallet, the label was scrunched up to the point you couldn't even read it. And we had just somehow managed to get a distributor that was distributing us around the country and they'd mm. already sent all of the product around the country. And you can't put a product like this on the shelf. So mm, no. our first launch was a recall. And, yeah. you know, that's how we started. It was like we started like, you know, my, like a baby probably would first step and then fall on your face. Oh, my goodness. You know? And, yeah, it was, yeah. It was so like, is this really business? This rewind is really this to me. From the point of, okay, we're doing this yeah. to that first launch, that yeah. recall launch, yeah. how long is this time period? Look, it was relatively quick. Uh-huh. I think there's something about us as like if this is what we're meant to do, we, we go all in. Yeah. So context of all in is like, we booked meetings with factories literally yep. the next week and we right. went and met with them and we didn't say we might launch something. We we're like, we are launching water. <laughs> it's going to change the whole industry. Uh, are you in? And it was, and we, one guy said he's in if we could find someone to sell it. And then we pitched to the largest distributor in the country. They do, do Red Bull and Lipton Iced Tea. And it wasn't arrogance. It was, we just thought this has got to go national fast. This is going to change the world. And in the pitch... Right, so this is con like our first sales pitch. Right, we're out. Like we had an A3 poster a mate did up uh, the <laughs> night before on the computer because we couldn't get a bottle in time. So he like designed it up and put a label on, and so we're holding the poster and we're like, "This is what we're doing." And the the owner said, "This is really cool. I'm going to back it, and I'm I'm going to take fifty thousand units from you guys." This is the first order. He goes, "How quick can you get it to me?" Now. I said, oh, give us about three weeks. And he does this like, that's really quick, guys. And we're like, <laughs> and you're, like what? you're like, is it? Yeah, is that quick? Cause we're, but like we were, bluff would be almost the wrong thing. Something happened in that moment for me where I was like, well, hey, man, like, I, grew, I mean, I grew up in church and heard uh -huh. stuff like, if it's God's will, it's his bill. <laughs> right, <laughs> I love I've that. heard that. I yeah. rhymes. I'm like, come you on. You took that literally. I did. I remember sitting on the couch and he was like, okay, so it looks like we need about um, $250,000 to run our first run of production. And I remember looking at him going like, yeah, you realise we don't have that, right? Like we used to joke that we had a combined net worth of about a thousand dollars, you know, yeah. if we yeah. sold everything we had. Yeah, perfect. But... Yeah, he, I remember him being so convinced that no, like if this is really what we're meant to do, the money will come. And yeah. overwhelmingly positive, wouldn't take no for an answer and just the self-belief that you guys could do it but had to do it, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, and I think it was the mission. It was like if we were just starting a company, you know, that was a little thing to make a little bit of money, I don't think we would have had the boldness, but uh -huh. we felt we were standing there to represent part of uh -huh. the end of extreme poverty. Not that thank you's going to solve it, but it's going to play a part. Right. So in our mind, the biggest distributor will move the most amount of product, which will impact the most lives. And that's kind of been the, the journey from day one. It's bold. Um, the challenge is like, I mean, we, I think, to be honest, boldness gets other people doing bold stuff too. Mm -hmm. Like we, in that meeting, we really said we're taking this to market and we've come to you first because you're the biggest, but we, we've got other meetings with other distributors, which we did have. Yep. But we've come to you first. 
I just don't think we expected an order on the spot <laughs> on the same day. So that was cool. Okay, so let's skip ahead back to that original part of your story. That first pallet comes in, the labels are unreadable, it's already shipped. What's that feeling like when you go, oh, go? Yeah, like your heart kind of just sinks, you know, to go, oh, what does this mean? Like, and we, we were just so fresh at that time too. We didn't know what the ramifications of that would mean, you know, and, you know, we learnt very quickly what a national recall means, you know. Mm. We we managed the. thankfully he gave us a second chance, like the distributor doesn't usually give second chances. He thankfully gave us a second chance uh-huh. and he gave us a third chance, you know, with a lot of colourful language, but, um, he, you know, it was, it was quite awesome that he just kept believing in us which was really great at that time but we needed the um, third chance as well because after about a year we, we were door knocking on every single place that sold you know um, water and saying can you please dock this and it took us a year of literally just door knocking like we were going out in the streets door knocking trying to get into every place it took us about a year to get into about 350 outlets and then within a period of, would you say, five weeks, yeah. our supplier stopped producing for us because they got another contract come through that was bigger and we lost 300 of our 350 stockers. Yeah. And so this is a year in and we're just going, why are we doing this? Like we're putting our blood, sweat and tears. We were working like part-time jobs. Like I was yeah. getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning um, to work um, stacking boxes in a factory, um, mm-hmm. so 4 to 10 a.m. so that I could work on the business during business hours and then doing uni at night. Um, so we were doing a lot, you know, mm. and to go, is this worth it all? Like we're a year in and it's still not working. We're still back to square yeah. one, you know. And So right about here, everybody would just go, oh, well, we tried. We gave it a really good shot. Yeah. Time to go move somewhere else and, and move yeah. into something else. It must Water mustn't be the thing. Yeah. So to anyone who's listening who feels that way right now, that it's not clicking, it's not connecting, what would you say to those people who are in that moment now where they're like, I've tried. It's not working. We're a year, two, three years in. What would you say to them? I think it's these moments that builds the resilience that you need to to keep going. Because what we've learnt now that we're 11 years in is, um, funnily enough, it actually just gets harder. Um, <laughs> no, 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 but stay positive. Yeah, stay positive. Harder. It gets harder. <laughs> but it is also more rewarding at the same time, you know. And and it's that resilience that you need, um, that you know, to, to make you stronger, um, you know, and more determined. But it also takes you to that place of complete surrender mm. to know that it's not actually about, your own skill set or the own thing that you can do in your own strength and in your own stride but it's literally just having yourself in that position to say okay god use us we're here yeah. you know use us and i think our faith got us through the drive yeah. for impact got us through again yeah, if this absolutely. is just a little business thing i don't even know if we, we would not be sitting here but it was this conviction that that was really grounded in purpose mm. uh-huh. because that knockback was hard like you know a four-hour story and like 30 seconds is yep. post that moment we had two retailers looking at our idea and they were big so we're like if one say yes it'll change the yep. game so we found a new factory for what was our re-relaunch right it's like <laughs> our third or fourth our re-re-relaunch yeah, yeah. we've lost count in the back of our head yes we wanted to kind of quit but it also hang on if one of these guys says yes this is all going to work so during this relaunch we actually had a new distributor on board in Sydney they launched us they then went into liquidation during our launch. <laughs> and then we're like, this is weird. Like this is... Right. And then the two retailers came back saying no. Then they both came out with their own bottle of water that went to funding water projects. Right. And so if you're mapping this, it's going down. And then the one of the biggest supermarkets in the country, and we don't name them or shame them, but initially the guy's like, oh, 
you guys are kind of dreaming like, yeah, it's a cool idea, but you're up against the biggest brands in the world, huge yep. money, all that. Yep. So after 12 months of working with him, we're now three years into our story. He says yes. And then a new person took over and retracted our national ranging commitment, which it turns out doesn't stand. If, if someone retracts it and, and, and we were shattered. So three huh. years in, you have no idea how many times I've re-flipped open my Bible to that verse and that gone, that, scripture. that wasn't even real. Are you even real? Like I, I questioned it. Everything. Which anyone who's listened to this for the last few minutes, like your overwhelming optimism, like <laughs> shines through the microphone. Yeah. For, so for people to hear that and hear that you had those moments of like, is this going to work? Like, yeah that is reassuring and really challenging for people who are embarking on a similar journey. But like you guys have said, it was never about business. It was about mission. Yeah. Mm. And so you get through some of these early hurdles and how does the, how does it start to gain traction? I, I think for us was like, okay, so we, we have, this, I have this quote that I just really, really love. It's from Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and it says, all labour which uplifts humanity is important and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. And I think when we started, there was this um, interesting concept um, around charity and that if it's if you're doing anything, you know, charitable or anything like that, it doesn't deserve the best. You can just, yeah, you know, here you go, just, just do it like that, you know, like just give it your second best or, you know, the leftovers. And for us, we we resonated with this quote that, you know, what we were doing was important. You know, the people that we exist to serve are important and they deserve our very best, you know. And there was this time where um, Daniel was like, hey, we need to get the, the, the top creative agencies in Australia on board with this. You know, we need to like, you know, have the best marketing that we can. And so we, we had worked with some of these um, agencies gone back and forth for months and very long time, back mm -hmm. and back and forward. And um, we were quite disappointed, to be honest, where we got to. Um, you know, long story short, I remember we came out of after months of going forward, back and forward on what who we were as a brand and our brand values and all that sort of stuff, we got the final concepts and we were just shattered. Mm. There was just such a disconnect in who we are, um, you know, and in, in our purpose. And, and it was just really crushing to once again spend so much time on something and get yeah. nowhere. And I had this idea land in my heart and, uh, and I guess it was that gentle whisper to say, where does your help come from? Where does your help come from? And obviously I went to that verse, that where does my help come from? It comes from the creator mm. of heaven and earth. And I had this idea that oh, like we can go to the top creative agencies, but I can also go and meet with the creator, the That's creator right. of yeah. heaven and earth. Yeah. You know, and, and I can go for a walk on the beach. I can meet him anytime I want and have these moments to say, you know, what what can we do? And yeah. Daniel, um, he's, he started um, doing what we call Blue Sky Days. Yeah, like, it was, like as we share this, this is like our wrestle, right? Because uh -huh. it's not working and we're trying all the stuff. Meet uh -huh. with that agency, do that, pitch better, all the stuff. It's not working. But for us in our own journey, like, we just go back to our faith and this this concept was full on of actually just relying on him to lead us forward, which was scary. And I, I remember in a, a time of kind of, I'm driving down the coast, the east coast of Australia with Jared, who was one of our, our co-founders and been friends since we were younger. And Jared and I just start talking, this idea drops out of nowhere to run a campaign. 
Now, it's a very small campaign, but it ends up being this thing that took us much further. And we, we launched a video on YouTube. The video said, hey, everybody, uh, two weeks from today, we're presenting thank you uh, water at the time to 7-Eleven Australia. And we're asking you to jump onto their Facebook wall. Say 7-Eleven, if you stock thank you, I'd buy it. And now this was a little controversial. Some people are like, you can't do this. It's ambush marketing. It's and aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, but what we were trying to do was like, well, everyone, all these retailers say we don't have the money. We don't have the, the brand pool that these big multinationals have. We're like, well, let's show them the power of people. And we believe in that at Thank You. And so what happened is it went kind of a little bit viral. People sung and danced and rapped. And 7-Eleven loved it. They said yes. And that was our first kind of little breakthrough in... But what, what kind of Justine's referencing to the, the help from our maker, like the best expression we got of this is our, our campaign called the Coles and Woolies campaign, which has been referenced like globally as this epic campaign. And it just came from a, a walk. I went for a walk, a prayer time. Right. Not even about this, just thanking God for getting into 7-Eleven. And, then, right. and, I, and this thought cut through, which is the easiest way I can describe it. I'm thinking in a different direction. Right. I was, I was really thinking that Thank You was about to go global. And the thought that cut through was don't go, don't go, stay. And this, this campaign, and I just wrote out the Coles and Woolworths campaign and <laughs> it, it's a small idea that became a very big pivotal moment to our, our whole journey. So for people who aren't from Australia, Coles and Woolworths are the two largest supermarket grocery stores yeah. nationwide. Like they dominate the landscape here yeah. in Australia. And so for you guys to even approach them would have, after all these knockbacks, would have taken a, a large amount of courage and a large amount of like intent. Tell us a bit more about that now. So the context, they'd said no to uh, our product for five years. By the time we finally got this campaign to life, it was a two-year build of this creative campaign that we called the Coles and Woolworths campaign. And, right. and so they have 70% market share, these two retailers, right? They are, like you put them, the dominant force here. And we launched a video on YouTube and it, it said, hey, everyone, thank you is working in one product, water. But we dream of taking this further, food to fund food projects body care products to fund health and sanitation come with us. But today we want to take these to the supermarkets. They've said no for five years, but two weeks from today when we meet with them, we want you to come with us. And we asked our supporters, people, the public to upload a video or a post onto their Facebook wall and say, Coles and Woolies, if you stock, thank you, uh, I'd buy it. And so that was the call to action and almost like the 7-Eleven campaign, but on steroids, it went viral and media were like, I remember one interview in media that this guy's like, you can't put the two biggest supermarkets who hate each other in the same sentence. And I kind of fumbled out this answer like, <laughs> oh, um, you know, Wesley, our graphic designer, he, he didn't find it too hard. And like, I'm not trying to be <laughs> right. smart, but no, like, you're like, actually, this is how we did easy. it. Yeah. People are like, how do you do this stuff? We're like, well, we just did it. And we ha our favorite part is these two helicopters that flew one in Melbourne, one in Sydney, and they flew above the head offices of Coles and Woolworths with these 30,000 square foot signs. Dear Coles, dear Woolies, thank you for changing the world in brackets if you say yes, because we hadn't met with them. And we flew it over their head office for half an hour and it led to a pretty cool outcome. I think it's a really great example that we've talked about outside of this because you tried playing by the rules yeah. and it wasn't working. So you needed to break them to to do something different, right? And so from that point on, Coles and Woolies say yes. Mm. Things start to escalate pretty quickly from there. Um, and at this point, you've got not just 7-Eleven, but now the two biggest supermarkets in Australia. And all of a sudden, like things start to move forward and take off a bit, right? Yeah. 
That's right. Like now we've got our personal care range, which is um, doing extremely well. Like it's getting ones and twos in the supermarket, um, like ratings. Um, and um, we're in quite a few pharmacies as well and, and other outlets. Um, and yeah, yeah and, the, and the impact grew. Like it, impact <laughs> like it took five years to raise half a million dollars for impact. Right. Um, and like year one and two is like $7,000 each, right? So it's like, it really took time to build. Yeah. But once they came on board and the Australian public got behind, it grew into the millions within the first year and then, you know, kind of took off from there. And, and literally the products are out selling some of the biggest multinationals on the planet. It, and that, that's against the system, but people and purpose kind of broke it is, is what we think. Yeah, I love absolutely. that. And so you started with water. Yep. You already mentioned, Justine, that you then branched out into like, health and body care and all these things where did the idea for that come from was that something you'd had from the beginning you were just waiting for the right time no that that actually uh kind of hit us unexpectedly a little bit to be honest um we were in cambodia seeing some of our water projects and we we're very big on our messaging which was um you know our water funds water projects um which was like wells and um you know so forth filters and that that sort of thing and to us it's really important that what we say we're doing we're we're making sure we yeah, back absolutely. that up However, we're on the field and one of the field workers starts begging us to fund toilets. Um, he was saying latrines. He's like, can you please fund latrines? And it was one of those moments where we were there and it was like, we can't say no because we're telling the community in Australia we're funding water projects. Right? But, but it was one of those moments where he was begging us to fund water pro- uh, so the toilets and said, you know, why? You know, and he explained to us that within this community, um, within this certain period of time, 20 women were actually um, raped and killed um, because they didn't have access to toilets. Right. <laughs> I mean, just sink that thought in for a minute. Like, just because they didn't have access to a toilet, their lives were put at risk, you know. And they had to, you know, go out into um, – they had to leave the safety of the village um, to go out into the fields. And that moment was something that hit me so hard. Like, we couldn't walk away from that and say – oh, no, sorry, we can't, we're funding water projects. You know, like it was one of those moments of what can we do? Right. And I really mm. believe that innovation comes from having a problem, you know, and a frustration and going, how can we fix that, you know? Mm. And and so we obviously came back. The one thing we needed to do is we knew we needed to keep building the brand uh, and then we needed to find a way to that we can um, put a product out there that actually funds, um, you know, these toilets as well and, and um, hygiene sanitation. Um, so that's where the idea of the personal care range came came about so yeah and it's it's going well these days yeah and you guys have continued to kind of take stuff forward and you've gone into wider and broader markets um, which has continued to take off the other thing that i love that you guys did not too long ago is the whole chapter one story yeah um can you tell us a little about that daniel yeah i um Everyone was looking post the Coles and Woolies campaign to say like, what's next? What's next? And we had people and retailers in other countries all around the world reaching out. Like that campaign put us on the map around the world. And so I'm thinking, actually the big question is what country's next? And I'm like, yeah, all of them. And what's the plan? I'm like, it's going to be huge. But I'm honestly on my own leadership journey. I'm going like, God, like help. What do we do? Right. Where do we go? Like, do we take all opportunities or not? And had this moment where I had taken a weekend to kind of prayerfully consider what's the next step. Right. Everyone was sort of kind of almost looking to me like I'd have the call. 
And and I remember I did a weekend of, of prayer and fasting and I'll be honest, I was hungry. By the end of it, I was hungry and angry. I'm like, why do I even do this stupid fasting thing? Yeah. Anyway, I, I wasn't in a great attitude. It's like midnight and the thought that just drops into my head, it cuts through, was just to go downstairs and start writing. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not a writer. I don't like the idea of that. But I go downstairs and get some food and my laptop's there and then I write this one sentence and it didn't make sense at the time the next morning it just started to sink in and the the, the, the sentence was like a thought and the thought was to write a book titled chapter one and a hundred percent of the profit will fund the global expansion i'm like that's a dumb idea shut the laptop <laughs> went to bed told justine the next day and like justine has got a lot of faith like she's like I love it. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Why would we write a book? Books take time. What if you can't write books don't make money? Uh-huh. And I, I wrestled with it. But this is the thing. I think we have to wrestle with ideas. And I started writing and writing and writing. And then it took uh, nearly two years in total, but wrote our first chapter of the thank you story. Funnily enough, if you, what well, we researched, there was no book called chapter one. Wow. Like chapter mm-hmm. one's in every book. Yeah. But not on the front. So I'm like, <laughs> well, this is big and I've never seen a book written chapter by chapter, mm. right, over decades. Like usually you write it in hindsight. Correct. And the challenge I have with that is I've read books, amazing books. I'm sitting there in my little bedroom going, man, I'll never get there. We wanted to chapter one to be different. We want to be like, here's how like the warts and all so far, we haven't made it either. This is our first chapter and yeah. come with us on the journey. And as I started to write, this thing felt so right and, and we ended up launching, but our researcher told us that a best-selling book will sell 5,000 copies. Well, that mm-hmm. is a best-seller level and you'll yep. make about $50,000 profit. Right. Didn't we find that out after we'd already made our first order? Yeah, well, yeah, something like that. And it was, it was, it was a feeling of like we've, we've had this idea but now the facts aren't lining up or the industry's not lining up and we're going to fail. Which sounds familiar to other parts of this story, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, and then, and then it didn't fail. So we launched the book. We had a couple of big ideas. One was pay what you want. So there's no retail price on this book. And it's this idea of like, we, we're going to take a bet on humanity, that people are good, not bad. And like, imagine if you could just open this up and retailers were mind blown. They're like, how's it going to work? How do we? And in the pitch, I remember being like, when they said, how's it work? We just said, well, someone walks up to the counter in your store and, and then maybe your team just asked them how much they want to pay. And they're like, no, it has barcodes and there's a system. And we're like, can we just... Can we just challenge it? Can we try something right. different? And, and that's the thread of thank you to get a result the world's never got before. You have to be prepared to do something. Mm. Right. Maybe I haven't seen and, and it worked. I mean, the book launched and it did, did pretty well. The thing I love about chapter one and also probably the message that you guys carry with the thank you group is that it's not just about what you're doing, but about what people can do in their own situation, their own circumstance, yeah. like empowering people to do something for themselves, yeah. which is rare. A lot of people in your position like, cool, here's what we're doing. Give us some applause. But you are all about getting other people to contribute and, yeah. and continue to develop what they're doing. Tell us a bit about that, Justine. Uh, I, I think for even the, the journey of thank you, we would not be where we are today if it wasn't for our community that's right. actually come around and been part of it. Like yeah. we don't see it as just us and just our team it's actually to us the team is the whole entire community that's jumped on board those that have you know written online to Coles or Woolworths and said please stock the thank you products or those that have you know bought the chapter one book for pay what you want like to us it's just it's a complete community um, that's that's got us to where we are today and for us 
one thing that we found really crazy. Um, someone once said to us, did you expect that so many people um, would um, – that it would have the impact that you have? And I was, I was thinking they were talking about the impact overseas, right? Right, yeah. But I didn't realise it was meaning the impact for other people. And I think that as people have seen that we've started this, we didn't have any money, we didn't have, you know, the experience um, of what we were doing, you know, even as we were still in uni and that people were like, oh, maybe finish a uni degree first and, mm. you know, or wait to get some money behind you first. But – you know, I think that that's helped other people to know, well, you know, if they can do it and they didn't have any of that, then maybe I've got something that I can also do as well, you know. And so we've had a lot of those conversations and mm. also through the book as well. It's an amazing tool to help people, you know, in those places as well. Totally. Mm. Anything you'd say to that, Daniel? Yeah, I think there's this one really powerful question we ask ourselves and we've most of our launches are built on this one question, what's in your hand? And your whole New Zealand launch, in fact, was that one question, what's in your hand? Yeah. And we all underestimate it. We think we've got nothing. Like I was 19 and 21, we, we had nothing, we thought. And yet we combined the little we had with what someone else had. Uh, Landon was a 10-year-old. He's bought four cop- copies of Chapter One with his pocket money. But then a lady named Jane paid $50,000 for one copy. Like she used what's in her hand. Right. Once you combine it... You know, people flew helicopters because they yeah. donated their time. That was what was in their hand. We underestimate it, like individually, but once you actually collect around a mission and a vision, what you can achieve is absolutely, like it's, it's indescribable and it's the thank you story and we've got a long way to go. But um, yeah, the power of the individual combining with others under mission is incredible. I love that. And one thing that I've been kind of thinking a lot about lately is a lot of people kind of look at what they're called to do and they kind of think, well, it's either like kingdom or it's business. And they go, it's one or the other. Or one will serve the other. You said early on, you're like, oh, and I thought I had to be in business and then I could do something to build the kingdom. Um, But you guys have have not wrestled with that the same way and you seem to have found a real sweet spot for that. What would you say for people who aren't sure where they fit, whether it's what kingdom looks like to them, whether it's quote unquote secular, sacred? Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it's a wrestle this question. Like Mm -hmm. I think it's, this is what people wrestle with and we work in a very, in in a sense, secular context, even in our own team. We're not a Christian or faith-based organization. We have people that believe heaps of different stuff. We are absolutely, Mm. like faith is our our grounding and our leading. Mm. But I would just say to people, like everyone has your own individual story and boxes with respect suck. Like they just, they, we put these boxes on and yep. I'm that box or yep. that box, but I wonder if we're all individually made, you know, the yep. fingerprint, yeah, no two are alike. And yep. so it's about learning what is, what's that for you? Yeah. And, 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 you know, and then going on that, that yeah. journey. And your faith should thread through everything that you do, whatever it looks like, right? Yeah. Um, so for you guys, you are husband and wife, yeah. parents, yeah. work together. I'm sure that's just a barrel of laughs every day. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the, maybe it's an illusion, maybe it's how you guys strive for balance yeah. between those things. It's, it's definitely been something we've had to work on right. um, over the years. Um, especially in the early days, it was just, you know, we were all completely all in. There was absolutely no boundaries mm-hmm. at all, um, you know, with, with work. And um, I was like, a, there was one time at like, 11 o'clock on a Friday night after we were newly wed as well um, we're 
standing up in our bedroom just talking through strategy and it was getting really intense because we're having different points of view and we're you know like we were, we were having this debate over strategy at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday yeah, and we're yeah. like hang on what are we doing yeah. <laughs> is this really what we should be doing right um so you know we we got to a point where we were like you know we need to find ways that we can actually give each other the space to, um, you know, breathe, to, mm-hmm. you know, have that downtime. And so, you know, at one point it was, okay, when the roller door goes down as we drive in yep. the garage, that's when we'll stop talking, you know, about work stuff. You know, at, at this season in life we try and have one day a week where we don't mention the T word unless we're being polite. Right, which is you know, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we, um, you know, wouldn't let – I would not let Daniel go anywhere near the supermarket on a weekend. <laughs> right, because yeah. um, we to try and find the products, yeah, course, you know, yeah. and, and be analysing everything. Um, but, yeah, so that's sort of what we, um, we do now is just trying to give each other that space. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and there are challenges with it. Like Absolutely. We lo- what we love is, is being on mission together, yeah. really getting it and yeah. getting what we're doing. So that's cool. You don't have to explain a lot of stuff, but then the challenges that come with it, you've got to create space. I mean, hats, like yeah. which hat are you got on? Like I'm like, <laughs> is my like co-founder hat on or husband hat? And it's weird because sometimes like a husband hat on hearing like some challenges that maybe Justine's having, I'm like, oh, I can just put my co-founder hat on and fix it. But that's, we're not meant to fix everything. And it there, that's where... That's where the challenges have come in and we've just had to learn. And we meet married couples who are in business together and we're like, have you guys got it all figured out? And they're like, no, not yet. <laughs> like, what? Like, we're still working it out too. And that's the journey. Like, yeah. I think art is is a messy process. We're yeah. not afraid of it. Like, the mess is kind of awesome and and you learn in it and it's 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 beautiful and, and we kind of love the outcome. Yeah. I love it. I love watching your guys' success and continued growth. Like I'm excited about what's already happened, but the future is really exciting seeing where you guys are heading. I know there's big stuff that you would love to tell us about. Maybe yeah. next time we do yeah, this, we do can it. talk more about that, which would be yeah. cool. But just grateful that you take time with us today uh, here as part of the Hillsong Creative Podcast. So Justine, Daniel Flynn, thank you very much and every success. Thanks so much Thanks for having us. How encouraging and what a journey Daniel and Justine have been on and are on. It's this ongoing, unfolding story of what God is doing in their lives. I think there's something for all of us to take away that we can't do everything, but we are gifted and called to do something. And so they're great at business, but yet they're not trying to build a great business just for themselves. They're trying to use what's in their hand in order to help others, in order to be outward looking. And I think that's important for all of us as creatives. Sometimes we can get so caught up in wanting our songs or our art to get out to the world. And and, and it's all about us and about our success or our achievement. And yet I think there's something more that God is asking of us. I think he's wanting what he's gifted us to do to actually help others, to either point them to him or to help them physically or spiritually. And I think that's a challenge that we can all take on board. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you can take that into this week. Like Gabe mentioned, if you'd like to read Daniel's book or hear more about the thank you group, then you can find that out in the show notes down below.